Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's right, we've got Week 7 coming up, and it's Thursday morning, so that means you're getting those Week 7 locks. They are hot, they are fresh, and uh, and, and we hope that they're filled with winners. Joined, as always, by Barton Simmons and Tom Pernelli. Gentlemen, how are we feeling? Speaking of things that are hot, this coffee, it's hot. Burning, burning the tip of the tongue? Got the tongue a little bit, yeah. Whew. Barton, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm very... Uh... I do feel like I'm I'm coming into this podcast a little indecisive. Like I've got a lot of of got a lot of picks that I'm kind of very much wavering on. Like even to the point where I could flip I could flip sides. Like not 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 just pull it off the board. I could flip sides mid podcast. <laughs> well, until you say it, like you get to um, you get to choose. You know, bounce back and forth until it's put uh put there on the table and. Uh, and I guess the, the the only time that something has been walked back, it was walked back immediately, and I should have left it on the damn table. It was that sweet, sweet Notre Dame to cover and the under against Bowling Green. So that should let you know that if it comes out of your mouth on the podcast, it's a winner, and you should just leave it. True. Yeah. Very true. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's jump into it. And I'm, I'm kind of with you, Barton, at least in terms of some of the fluctuation because the, the games that I'm feeling good about, it's a small batch, but it's under the radar, and I love my juicy headliners. And so I could end up, depending on what else is going on out there, uh, maybe even jumping into a lock fight. Been spending uh, all week fighting with Tom on CBS Sports HQ. So are you ready to battle, Tom? I'm going to kick your butt okay uh quick review of the week six action not great uh for the entire syndicate 11 15 and one as a group our leader from the week was barton simmons and he continues to be our leader for the season he was four four and one uh the winners were the breezy under 47 and a half in iowa michigan iowa state minus ohio state minus 20 Penn State covering that big 27 and a half number and then the over 60 and a half in West Virginia Texas his push came from that game in Morgantown as well West Virginia plus 11 uh Washington minus 16 Mm-mm. no no yeah that was it. yeah no yeah. uh Oregon minus 18 uh a loss and um yeah I don't I don't know I feel like I just I kind of stayed in the Pac-12 water just a little bit too long. <laughs> you, got little, you got a I'm little pruny. Getting, I'm getting the hell out of there yeah. this week. Um, Utah State plus twenty-seven and a half. That was a loss. I was I was liking where we were at early, but LSU took control of that game. And then uh, Nebraska minus seven and a half. That is also a loss. That is a lock fight loss for Barton um, with Tom. That's a lock agreement loss with Chip 
on Utah State. Uh, Tom has taken out his, his dental fight frustration on the lock fights with me. <laughs> He's too undefeated in lock fights with me so far. Really? I, no, I no, think, no. I'm two and one. I'm two and one. Oh, you are? Oh, I I, you I'm did. on a two game win streak. Oh, uh, okay. All right. It's Tom against the dentist. Uh, that's 0 and 2. And then it's the cursed lock agreement of Tom Barton that's currently rocking 0 and 3. <laughs> that's, a, that's a, yeah. Stay away this week, Tom. <laughs> uh, Tom was uh, just behind Barton, four and five, now 27 and 29 on the season. His wins were the under 50 in Michigan State, Ohio State, the Florida plus three, also, you know, Gators getting that thing done. Um, we got the win with under 50 in Baylor, Kansas State, two Big Ten teams. They just happened to play in the Big 12. The lock fight win was Northwestern minus plus seven and a half against Nebraska going up against Barton. Uh, the lock fight loss for Tom was against the dentist Vandy plus seven. I mean, Ole Miss got something going. There's, there's some, some things bubbling around there. That never had a prayer. Uh, under 45 air force Navy, just very disappointing in our, <sighs> in our country, you know? Yeah. It- just, I mean, American values. What have happened to in these in times like these? How are you going over forty five in a service academy game? It's just, I mean, <laughs> this country is just falling apart. It seems. <laughs> Under forty seven in Virginia Tech, Miami, bananas game. You did that. That game did not needs to be scratched from the record of Virginia Tech, Miami, because it's just going to skew the numbers. Maybe that'll give us an advantage going in. Uh, and then under 45 in Iowa State, TCU, uh, another Jekyll and Hyde team, Iowa State. That was a loss. And then under 54 in Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan. What happened in that one? Uh, the wind didn't do its part. It was windy, but not windy enough. Four and five, uh, 27 and 29 overall. Chip, whew. you know, you go from seven and one in week five to two and six in week six. Uh, the loan with the wins were the under 48 and a half in Florida Auburn and then the under 61 in Notre Dame Bowling Green. The losses were many. They were the over 47 and a half in Temple ECU. I was trying to go for a hot and humid over, and it was so hot that the lights went out but not to get enough touchdowns. Uh, Louisville minus five and a half. They ended up winning that game by a field goal. Army plus three. Again, mm, SMH. Uh, Utah plus 27 and a half. That was a loss. The under 45 in Iowa State TCU, also a loss. And then uh, UConn plus 11. Uh, my beloved Huskies, who, by the way, are one of the biggest underdogs on the entire board uh, coming up here in week seven, also a loss. Two and six for the week, 23 and 26 on the season. Dennis took a W with Ole Miss minus seven. That brings him to three and three on the week. Gentlemen, are you ready to turn our attention to week seven? Yeah. You want to lock it up? Uh, Let's lock it up. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right, Barton, it's uh, you've, you've got the honors. Okay, <clears throat> then uh, let's start with one that I feel that I'm not hedging on, that I'm not 
un- indecisive on. Uh, I'm going to play this this game between two of my signature teams, Louisville and Wake Forest. Louisville traveling to Winston Salem, and they are catching as many as seven points. Uh, the you know, if, if you're getting it at, at six and a half, then go ahead and buy the hook. All right, we're gonna play it at seven, and the like. Here, here's what I think is interesting to me, and and it looks as though like the public is pretty heavy on Wake here. So you got yeah. an undefeated Wake team. Yeah, they're ranked right. Uh huh. This is this has not been a a dominating sh- not dominating showing by Wake. They're not playing a bunch of juggernauts. Uh, and somehow they're laying seven. And I, I thought this was interesting, too. When I, I sort of looked up their yards per play offensively and defensively. Defensively, they're about the same. Uh, Louisville's 69th in the country in yards per play. Wake's 73rd. Offensively, yards per play, Louisville's actually better. 18th in the country than Wake at 38th. And... You could you could make a case Louisville has played a tougher schedule at this point. They certainly have the the tougher game uh, with with Notre Dame on that. Uh, they both had sort of similar outings against BC. I just think that's a lot of points to be laying, to 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 be uh, given to a I think a good Louisville team. I'm going to I'm going to take the the touchdown and and uh, roll with Louisville. I, I really like it. Yeah, are you going to lock it up, Tom? No, but I've, I was talking to Chip about this yesterday. I, I think Louisville, there's a decent chance the Cardinals just win this game. Because yeah, this, this this feels like the spot where Wake is going to you know remember that it's Wake Forest. And I still think Wake Forest is a good team, but it's just like Chip is saying that that in, in the area, you know, they're – they're getting really excited. They're talking about being nine and zero before having to play Clemson, and it's just—it's like they're ranked, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, I, I, nothing against what you've done. You've earned everything you got so far, but you're still Wake Forest. So let's slow it down a little bit. So I, I feel like that kind of humbling is coming soon. Yeah, I. The only thing that would. Uh, keep me from coming in with the lock agreement and that I'm, I'm staying a little gun shy is, and I know it's a new coaching staff, but is the lingering specter of wakey leaks and how much Dave Clawson personally, individually, individually, and maybe even religiously despises the Louisville Cardinals. <laughs> so if you know, that is the only thing that is, I chose wake forest in our, uh, in our expert picks, but I'm, I'm also uh, kind of, in the mindset that, yeah, but it's it's a new regime, and the the fact that Louisville finally like just got over that ACC losing streak last week, it was a little bit tough. It was a little bit gritty. They got challenged. They didn't play perfect. If Wake's feeling itself, this is a dangerous, dangerous spot for uh, for anyone who's invested in the Demon Deacons actually being nine and zero when uh, they go to play Clemson. So, well, on the on the Wakey Leaks thing, this is a Scott Satterfield staff that has done just about everything but just publicly disavow Bobby Petrino. Right. Like, you know, he hasn't actually, you know, mentioned Bobby Petrino by name, 
he hasn't actually like stood in front of the Louisville Commons or whatever and said, "I hereby disavow all Bobby Petrino." Uh, but but he is he is like kind of been napalming the Petrino regime. So you know, I think that they'll him and him and old Dave will shake hands at the beginning of the game and be like, "Man, that that Petrino guy was kind of a jerk, huh?" And uh, and then the wake, wakey leak steal will be henceforth finished. Uh, Here's a question. If if Dave Clawson hates Louisville religiously, does that make it a cardinal sin? Ah! Thank you, folks. I'll be here all week. <laughs> um, all right, Tom. After that winner, uh, come give us another. I am going to start with a Friday night game. I am taking the under 43 and a half in Virginia at Miami. This is a pretty simple one for me. Uh, I I understand the line kind of smells a little bit with the Canes being two and a half point home favorites against a Virginia team that has looked better than it in almost every facet so far this season. And also Miami is starting Nikosi Perry at quarterback over Jaron Williams. So I'm, I'm glad to see that's going well for him. But the reason I am taking the under is because both of these offensive lines stink. Miami's offensive line stinks. Virginia's offensive line stinks. I just don't know how either of these offenses going against two defensive fronts that are, you know, pretty good are going to be able to move the ball consistently. I don't see it happening. Yes, we will have to live in fear of the defensive touchdown, but that's always the case when teams like these play each other. So I'm not that worried because I still think that the offenses are going to be bad enough that we could probably survive one defensive touchdown. If we get two, we're probably dead, but I like it under 43 and a half. Lock it up. Oh, over under Nikosi Perry interceptions in this game. One and a half. Over. Yeah. Not pick sixes, but just interceptions. I, I think, I think Nikosi's got two picks minimum in him in this game because Virginia's defensive backs are good. Yeah. I, I, uh, I like the pick. I'm not going to jump in on it. I would, I would even if you, you know, we're gonna, we are introducing, by the way, uh, to this lock spot, a little, another little side, co- side uh, competition similar to the win totals, where uh, we will be dropping some, uh, some money line sprinkles. So if you are so inclined and and you want to jump on a, a short underdog with some plus value, or or maybe even a big underdog with some plus value, uh, if if that happens to be what we're nominating, uh, I am not going to put this out here, especially as we begin the competition, but the. The way that I think Miami is favored in this game is that a bunch and we've got, you know, some some friends and some colleagues that just they stick to the the power ratings. I think they look down at their sheet and they see the talent on Miami's roster and they're just like no way should this team be an underdog at home. But, but they have not played like their power rating thus far this season and so I'm I would not hate uh, especially if this thing gets like two and a half or three, just jumping in and, and just taking that Virginia money line, just saying they're the better team. Yeah, no, I don't hate that either. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out like what, because obviously the line when it came out, it jumped out at me too as, as, as odd. But I think the way you look at this is, all right, first game of the year, they played what has, what has turned into a really good Florida team. And loses while breaking in two freshman offensive tackles and a first-time starter. North Carolina, they they actually 
were the better team throughout most of that game. And, you know, they lost, but you could argue they, they should have won. Uh, obviously, Bethune-Cookman, Central Michigan, another Central Michigan game is close, but it was a it was a game that, again, they, they wouldn't, like, they were significantly better. They just, it was kind of a fluky game. Then you have Virginia Tech last week. Bad look, obviously, but, like, again, they outscored or outgained Virginia Tech by a massive number. They threw, like, two end zone interceptions. Just sort of, like, you could, this team could very easily be four and one, and and then you got this home opportunity, which they typically are get up for and, and play at a high level for. Uh, so I, I kind of get why the number is what it is i'm just you know but i and i think even i might have even picked miami uh i guess this is an expert picks play but it but in like my 24 7 picks or something but i'm not you know obviously i'm I'm not confident enough to lock it up but i i kind of understand it at least that's right because the three of us are asked to pick so many games against the spread on so (laughs) many different platforms the only place that you can trust we are actually committed to the picks is here on the lock spot that's right that is a great that's a great uh public service announcement (laughs) i believe in every pick i make all right um do we do we have any since this while we're still here at the beginning i am not playing any of the uh the nc state syracuse thursday night game no okay um i'm gonna be taking us to friday night as well where i am turning my attention to Barton's beloved Pac-12, and I'm going to take some lessons from what we saw out of the Oregon Ducks because I think that this Oregon team right now, it's just looking like it's going to be a fun little under train to ride because the Oregon defense is pretty good, and the Oregon defense is really good, uh, particularly when it gets into defending scoring opportunities. And the way that Oregon's offense is run, it is not nearly as, um, you know, explosive and high scoring as you might imagine. If you look at the Oregon brand and you consider the fact that they have potentially a a high NFL draft pick quarterback and some wide receivers that have been uh, getting healthier and a really good offensive line. No, that doesn't that doesn't seem to be the the sort of modus operandi of this uh, this Ducks team. So with the good defense and with a with an offense that seems to have a mentality of trying to impose its physicality more than light up the scoreboard, Oregon unders are looking good. Uh, I don't really trust them to cover 21 points in this game against Colorado on Friday night, but with 58 and a half, I'm looking at this and thinking that we might have a, a better opportunity and more value uh, jumping on the under. So I will be locking up the under 58 and a half in Colorado, Oregon. You want to hear a fun fact that supports your pick? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in Oregon's opener against Auburn, Auburn had five red zone possessions. It only scored two touchdowns on them. In the four games since, the Oregon defense has had allowed five red zone possessions. You know how many touchdowns the Oregon defense has allowed in those four games? I think it's zero. Correct. Yeah. They haven't allowed a red zone touchdown since the Auburn loss. Yeah. Nah, Oregon's defense, really fun, sneaky storyline that I've been, enjoyed sort of picking up on during my research and meditation this week. So... Uh, I, I think that the Oregon unders, yeah, again, some val- maybe some market value with the miss, you know, just, just sort of the way that you look at the, the name Oregon on the board and knowing Justin Herbert's there. So I'll be on this. We'll see how it goes. And, and the first uh, fork in the road of the choose your own adventure that is this week's picks for me, 
uh, I have opted not to go Oregon Cal over 58 and a half. <laughs> I am I am refraining from the lock fight. This is my first, this is my first my first real decision uh, because and and the reason I'm refraining is because of that that Oregon defense because the reason I was tempted or I am tempted to to fight you on this is that Colorado defense right because that Colorado defense is it's, that seems ripe to to get someone like Oregon feeling pretty good again to get a, get the mojo back in that offense again coming from Cal frustrating gritty squad that just you, you just kind of survive those games kind of need to to just spread your wings a little bit against someone like Colorado who has has just given up points to everyone so I am uh, I, I'm, I lean over here but uh, I agree Oregon's defense is is pretty stout and so I'm gonna stay away and uh, and stay out of this fight my most sweaty scenario that I imagined here was 4110 and that still gives me a touchdown before this number I just don't know how many points Colorado is gonna be able to score um, all right Barton back to you Okay, uh, I'm gonna go. Let's see. This is probably the. This is another one I I I feel fairly good on here. Um, I like Michigan State plus ten and a half. I think Michigan State. I think Wisconsin is like that defense has been great, but who has that defense played? The defense has played South Florida, Central Michigan. A bad Michigan offense that's like 98th in the country or something ridiculous. Northwestern, yuck. Kent State. <laughs> I mean, these are the teams that Wisconsin has put together a top five defense with. And I and I, 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 I still acknowledge Wisconsin has a good defense. But I also was on Wisconsin in that Northwestern game where they didn't cover. And I... I saw a Northwestern team that played pretty good defense in their own right and forced Jack Cohn to throw it a little bit. And Jack Cohn lost a few of those Jake Fromm vibes I got from him <laughs> out of that Michigan game the week before. And so I think Michigan State's defense, while it may not be, I mean, it was a little bit of a um, perhaps overreaction to that defense the first couple weeks based on, you know, holding Tulsa to negative 70 yards rushing or whatever. But I do think that defense can stop the run. If you even look at that Ohio State game, I think part of the the challenge of that game for Michigan State was the the sort of the dual threat nature of Justin Fields, like defending the 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 read option and defending the quarterback run. That's kind of what I think opened up some of those holes for J.K. Dobbins. I, I think that this Mi- Michigan State team is is made for this kind of game. And I, you know, you're giving us, you give me double digits, and this is this is sort of a must-win game for Michigan State. Ohio State is is different tier, different level, different stratosphere. Now we're back to a team that Michigan State is, you know, can compete with from a talent standpoint. And I think this is the kind of game that they they show up for. I think that offense has been better than it's gotten credit for. So give me Michigan State plus the ten and a half. Two things. First, you can get it at 11. I will take it at 11. Second, lock agreement. 
pretty much all the same reasons that you said we saw in that Northwestern game. Northwestern put together a blueprint, at least an idea of how you can stop Wisconsin. And it's not exactly rocket science. It's you stop their run game or at least slow it down and you force Jack Cohn to beat you. Not every defense can do that. Northwestern's can, and Michigan State's can. I mean, you can't look at what happened last week against Ohio State and hold that against Michigan State because Ohio State is a completely different animal from just about every other team in the country. So you, you can't look at that and say, oh, well, I'm not sure that defense is that good after all. No, they're fine. And this is a style of play that is much more in line with what they like to do. And offensively, Michigan State's better than that Northwestern team was. Let's not forget, if Wisconsin didn't score, what, two defensive touchdowns in that Northwestern game? I think, yeah, it was two. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wisconsin could have lost that game because its offense couldn't do anything. So, I, I like Michigan State plus 11 plus, as you said. If they force Jack Cohn to beat them, folks, there are 20 mile an hour wins. Oh, yeah. For Saturday. (laughs) So you could take the wonder if you want, dear listener. I think personally the total is a little too low for that. Whoa. Too low? You? It's at 40. We haven't even hit 38 yet. I thought 38 was too low. Michigan State and Wisconsin tend to go over, Chip. Okay. They, They get low totals and they tend to just nudge right past it. But it's... I, I like the I like Michigan State and the points a lot more than I like the under. That's why I'm locking that up instead of the wonder. So I, I look at this as being like a 24 to 17 kind of Wisconsin game. Plus, if you just look at the way that this series has gone, the underdog has covered the last five meetings. Michigan State is four and one against the spread in its last five against Wisconsin. So those things don't hurt. These are typically closer lower scoring games and you know one of the principles is always if it's going to be a low scoring game and you're getting double digits it's really hard to pass up the double digits so yeah michigan state plus 11 lock it up our for it's going to be our first lock agreement win of the year barton <laughs> yeah let's let's get this thing right here tom let's lock arms let's you know let's break the break the trend here and that's uh that y'all are the football team that walks out doesn't run out of the tunnel it walks out of the tunnel holding hands that's yeah, we what had Michigan a, State does. They lock a, arms. We had a players only meeting this mm-hmm. week and uh there's there's been a new new intensity level at practice this week, new focus. We're going to lock arms, new new pregame ritual. We're ready. I'm going to keep us in the Big 10 because uh this is a spot. This this is probably a spot more than anything, but you're you're taking a Penn State team that's starting to feel itself, starting to catch a little bit of rhythm, undefeated, looking like it's not only the second best team in the Big Ten, but maybe even the kind of team that could potentially be a threat to Ohio State. Everything's moving in the right direction, good mojo flowing, but you're going to drop that Penn State team off in Kinnick Stadium at night? No, 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 no. I'm I'm going to be on. Iowa plus the three and a half in what feels like a public ass play. Just the the home dog at night in Kinnick Stadium. Yeah, I I know what I'm doing, but there's a reason. And it's because we've got history of the way that these games go. And the way that this these games go doesn't always work out for the uh the the blue blood from the Big Ten East that's that's coming on into town. So I I know that I've been I've been fighting uh, fighting with Tom on this one all week on CBS Sports HQ. Make sure you watch it on CBSSportsHQ.com and on the CBS Sports mobile app. 
But man, I I'm I'm just not going to leave this one on the cutting room floor when in my gut I'm like, man, I don't know. I this this might be the the one this might be the best win of Iowa's season and uh and it might come right now. So, uh give me the Hawkeyes in a rock fight plus three and a half. I think I think Penn State is one and four against the spread its last five trips to Iowa City. I don't have it in front of me, but I think that was the trend I saw when I was looking this up. Uh I'm not gonna lock fight. Okay. But I disagree. I understand why you're doing what you're doing, and I don't think it's a bad pick, which is why I'm not locking it up. If I thought it was a bad pick, obviously I'd be on the other side. It's just from what I've seen of Iowa this year. Compared to what I have seen from Penn State, I don't think Iowa has the horses. That's just the way I look at it. I I think this is going to be not a blowout, but it's going to be somewhat similar to what we saw last week when Iowa went to Michigan. And it didn't get blown out, but it didn't cover either. And it was a similar spread. And obviously that's a road game and this is a home game, so that's different. It's just I don't think Iowa's offense is very good. And it's never been explosive or high scoring, but it's always been mostly efficient. I don't think that this is one of those offenses. I think that they they have really they struggle running the ball. Their offensive line is not great. Nathan Stanley pretty much has to do everything on his own. And as we saw last week, if he gets the if he gets forced into having to make plays that you know because he's not feeling comfortable in the pocket, which is what Michigan was doing to him, and I think Penn State can do to him, he makes decisions pre-snap and then he makes he follows through on him whether he should or not, and it leads to trouble. So I, I'm i not super optimistic. Again, I don't think Penn State's blowing Iowa out, but I think it's going to win by a touchdown. Choose your own adventure. Fork in the road number two this week. I, I'm going to stay away from this one as well. Got it written down. I I think – I. Honestly, like if this game, if this number was four, as, as weird as it sounds, is this, if this number was four and a half instead of three and a half, I think I'd be on, on Iowa. But I think the number is just low enough to where, I mean, I think I, ultimately I believe this game will be a one score game. Like 17 13 is what you're afraid of right now. That's keeping yeah, you from jumping yeah. on the Hawkeyes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I mean, look, and I also, so can see a scenario where this is 48-10 Penn State, to be honest. But I, I think that's unlikely with it being nighttime at Kinnick Stadium. This is exactly the spot that Iowa goes and, and makes a statement. I mean, it's, we've seen it. How many times we've seen this? I and mean, this feels like every year this happens. So I think this I, – I, my hunch is you're on the right side of this, Chip. I'm just – this is going to waver too much between Penn State up three – Iowa up four, three, Penn State scores a touchdown late, wins by four. Like, I just, this is going to be too close of a game to get this number. And honestly, if this was, because you said you feel it feels like a public ass play, I was actually surprised. This is more like split right down the middle uh, from, from the numbers I'm seeing. I, I kind of expected, given what Iowa did last week, what Penn State has, you know, the, the, the flash of some of Penn State's win. I kind of thought the public would be all over Penn State here, but I guess everyone is is wising up to Kinnick Stadium in these spots. Uh, so the fact that it's more 50-50, like I'd have felt better going Iowa if it was like a 70% public play on Penn State, but it's not. So I'm just going to sit this one out too. Kinnick Stadium is the real place where dreams go to die. 
It's not Death Valley. It's, it's a scary place, man. It's, it ain't. Yeah, it ain't Kyle Field. It's that's if, that's legitimately scary. If if Penn State were top five, Iowa was winning straight up. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Penn State's not <laughs> Penn State's not good enough for Iowa to win straight up. <laughs> um, all right, let's go back to Barton. <clears throat> all right. Um, so I'd like to uh, I'd like to throw one out and get approval from Tom on this pick. I'm gonna yes, let son. you. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you talk me out of this one or give it your stamp of approval. Michigan minus twenty. What is Michigan? Is it twenty three now? It was twenty two. Is it up to twenty three? It's twenty. No, you can get twenty two and a half. All right, Michigan minus twenty two and a half. Okay. Brandon Peters is out for Illinois. I know this is a morning game in, in Illinois, but Brandon Peters is out at quarterback. The this Michigan team has shown that it still has it in the DNA to blow out the teams in in, in uh, emphatic fashion that it's supposed to. It is in desperate need of a feel-good offensive game. The defense appears to be as good as ever. And this is, and you know, like last week against a Minnesota team that Illinois was, you know, would have liked to have been competitive against. Uh, they really got blown out. It could, should have got blown out by more than it did based on just sort of the what happened on the field. I... I just I lean pin I, I just think this feels like a Michigan play where they blow this Illinois team out. But I, I, I need I'm gonna I'm just gonna need your your approval. Are we Latifa? Yeah. Do are we do we get Latifa ready? No, 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 no. Oh, oh. Okay. oh are you on it too? Hell yeah. Okay. Oh <sighs> fine, play Latifa. Whoa! Michigan's going to blow the doors off Illinois in this game. It wasn't on the card. You know why it wasn't on the card, though? I don't want to have to watch this game. <laughs> I really don't. I'm so done with... Uh, as you mentioned, Brandon Peters is out. So Matt Robinson is likely to be the starter who is a three-star to California who is... I don't think he's quite ready to be a starting quarterback in the Big Ten. I think he's he's a runner. I think his passing still needs a lot of work. There is some question of whether Isaiah Williams, the four-star that they had, the freshman, could get his first start. But Isaiah Williams did not make the trip to Minnesota last week because he was hurt. So he's not – there's a question about if he's 100% healthy. And there's also the question of do we want to take our big four-star recruit, one of the highest-ranked recruits we've had in a while – and throw him to the Wolves against Michigan in his first career start. So I don't know if we're going to see that, but if he's healthy, I think we'll probably see some packages with him in at QB. But none of that really matters to me because Michigan's defense has finally started to figure things out. 
And Illinois' offense is going to be one-dimensional because even when Brandon Peters was playing and they had somebody who could throw, they didn't really have a passing attack that was anything to fear. They were very inconsistent. So I think Michigan's going to be able to force Illinois to run, and I think Michigan's good enough to slow it down. And defensive line, I think Illinois has a good offensive line. I think that's an overlooked aspect of the team. But on the other side of the ball, Illinois' defense has been very bad against the run in particular. People have been able to run all over it. Passing-wise, I feel like they don't do a very good job of adjusting, and it's very easy for opposing offenses to know what Illinois is going to do in certain situations and expose that in the passing game. And I think we've seen a lot of that. We definitely saw it last week with Minnesota where they were finding spots over the middle, you know, in that kind of cover two shell type of situation where Minnesota was just exploiting the ever-living hell out of that. And I look at this as, you know, just – the only thing that I would worry about is Illinois' defense is force a turnover or bust. If they don't force a turnover, they're probably not getting off the field. And they're good enough at turning those turnovers into points. So my concern is this Michigan team has had been a little bit turnover prone to start the season, and that could be a problem, and that could lead to Illinois covering. But I'm mostly with you guys in which I see this as another Michigan versus a team that's supposed to blow out and will blow out kind of game. And also, I know it's early, but it's because of what happened last week. I expect it to be a very sleepy atmosphere at Memorial Stadium in Champaign where you're going to see the photos on Twitter of the empty Illinois student section. So the the other thing that I, I kind of like about this in terms of what it means for the Michigan offense is, I mean, y'all heard the hardball absurd comments after the game last week where you know they basically did nothing all game on offense and Harbaugh was like man we're we're, it feels like we're really close we're really starting to click we're starting to get there on offense which sounds absurd and it's ridiculous and it's and it's silly but there's got to be something to that. He can't just be bullface lying to us, saying like what we saw means nothing. Like, understandably, like there was nothing actually tangible happening there offensively that was worthwhile. But that has to mean, and we heard the same phrase from from Shea Patterson this week too, uh, when when he spoke to the media. There has to be something under the surface there, whether it's in, in film session where they're they're seeing things that are starting to pop. The it's it's. You know the the looks are becoming clearer, and yeah, it didn't it didn't work out. But I I I just wonder if that if that points to something bubbling under the surface that maybe Michigan can can get a little bit of traction offensively this week. If, yeah. if Michigan is unable to run the ball against Illinois, that's going to be a big warning sign for them going forward because Illinois is allowing everybody to run the ball. Jim Harbaugh can say that they're close because now they're closer to playing Illinois. real close y'all i'm feeling like it's about to happen it's about to happen set it for next week about 12 o'clock eastern time um okay coming up on the other side more of our week seven locks next The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, okay. Um, Tom, to you. All right. Uh, for my next one, let's set the scene. You smell fried food in the air. Mm. Ah. You see a giant cowboy looming overhead. You're at the Texas State Fair, and you're heading into the Cotton Bowl for Oklahoma, Texas, where you're about to see Oklahoma beat the crap out of the Longhorns and cover the 11 points uh there i have a couple principles that i've long followed you're both aware of them there's tom herman as a dog and there's taking underdogs in rivalry games i'm ignoring both of them for this matchup first of all yes tom herman is 10 3 and 1 against the spread as an underdog but he's failed to cover in two straight one of those two losses in a row against the spread was to oklahoma in the big 12 championship now if we go to this game at the cotton bowl last year that's when tom herman did not just only cover as a dog but he won outright texas won that game by three points but Oklahoma had three turnovers in that game. Texas had none. And Texas was still only able to beat it by three points because it still really couldn't stop the Oklahoma offense otherwise. And I look at this current Oklahoma offense, I think it's going to be a bit less turnover prone because I think Jalen Hurts, the, what they do, unless he's fumbling a lot, and I don't remember Jalen Hurts fumbling a lot, it's not really going to be a problem. I look at this Texas team who's also banged up in the secondary, and my God, is there a team that you're more terrified of playing while you're banged up in the secondary than this Oklahoma offense? The Sooners are going to route the Longhorns, and it's nothing against Texas, who I still think is a good team and is probably the second-best team in the Big 12 by a bit, although maybe not as wide as they would hope to be. But wider than that is the gap between Oklahoma and everybody else in the conference. I've got this as being like a 45 to 27 kind of game. The Sooners are going to cover this one pretty easily. Hmm. Chip? I'm, I'm passing on it for a lock. Yeah, this is this is choose your own adventure number three. Oh, yes, yes, for yes. For me, this is another fork in the road. Uh, I am I'm I am Reading the tea leaves here uh, and turning to page 22, which tells me <laughs> that I am going to sit on the sideline and watch my friend Tom Fernelli enjoy this game. Were you gonna? I was, were you gonna fight it? I, no, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna sit. I, I'm. I'm sitting it out. The, my adventure is. I sit at home and I and I watch Tom. I was thinking about playing Texas here. I'm just scared, man. I'm very scared. Very scared of this because it's it's going to go one of two ways. Like last year, Texas scored first, and when Texas scored first, it was it was just like okay, all right. So so Texas has the upper hand. Texas is going to control this game. Te this game is going to be played the way Texas wants. It got a turnover in the first half too. You know, Caden Stearns had a pick, and and all of a sudden we're off and running, and we have a game. I think it's going to be the same thing. You know, if Texas gets on the board first, if Texas is able to control the clock a little bit in the first half, if they're able to turn Jalen Hurts over, then all of a sudden we're settled. And that's that that lock it in. That's the game we got. It's the Texas plays them close and we'll see if they can pull the upset. 
if Oklahoma goes out there and scores first and Oklahoma dictates the pace and and this gets into a little more of a, a back and forth, then good freaking luck, Texas, keeping up with those dudes. And I think that o- Oklahoma probably has a little something to <clears throat> to prove here. I think that Oklahoma is uh, probably feels like we feel that they're on a different tier than Texas, and they don't like all these people that pick them to upset them. And so I'm I am very scared of this game. Uh, there was a lot of Tom Herman double digit dog, and that that tempted me into this. But I'm gonna. I'm going to choose the path of, of least resistance here. I'm going to pull it off the board. The other thing is we're going to hit a point where the Tom Herman dog stats, I think, are going to become less of a uh, less of something to, to come back to as a, a, a true anchor and a principle. And it's because, number one, so much of that happened when he was at Houston, a group of five team. And, yeah, they had a lot of great wins against, uh, you know, Power Five programs, including – Oklahoma and Florida State and others but you know now he's at Texas how often is Texas you know even going to be a dog so we're starting to deal with smaller uh smaller occurrences of that even being the case and then as Tom mentioned on CBS Sports HQ last time you know Tom Herman as a dog he's on an 0-2 uh cover streak as a dog so we'll we'll see I mean Tom Herman is in, I, I would say that I forgot where the heck I ranked him in our, you know, midsummer July coach rankings. I, I do believe he is on a, a top tier that is worthy of being at one of the top programs in college football. But mm, I'm a, my pick is Texas on expert picks. I'm but I'm not confident in it at all. And I'm probably picking Texas Barton because I hope that it's one of these games that's going to be really, really tight, that Texas is able to score first and, and put a little scare in everybody and make it really interesting because the other result is Oklahoma maintains a two-touchdown cushion. And anytime that Texas does score a touchdown, Oklahoma just scores one right away as an answer. And it's like they, they keep Texas at an arm's distance, like the older cousin that holds, a, that holds his a cousin's forehead so you can't reach him when you're swinging. Yeah, Oklahoma by a billion. Man, I I just man, this is a. I think I I think I would still yeah I think I'd still lean Texas here too, but this is scary. Uh, Barton, where 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 are you feeling confident? I've said I I have released two confident picks, and uh, now now it's time to now now it's time to really start testing my conviction here. So next next up. I think I'm going to go to Morgantown, West Virginia, where the Mountaineers are hosting uh, a Big 12 juggernaut in Iowa State. Iowa State is, you know, you, you think about Iowa State and you think about grinded out football and, uh, winning ugly and all that kind of stuff. Did you know that? Did you guys know Iowa state is 12th in the country in yards per play on offense? Well, yeah, but I mean, fair. Sure. What do you, what, what, what? I'm talking what? about that 72. I'm talking, I'm Not talking, much came against you on Monroe. Yeah. I'm talking about when they, they snapped back from losing the Cyhawk uh, game and just let out all of their anger and frustration on an inferior opponent 
in a way that Monroe is not. You know, Monroe is not as bad as as the teams that Wisconsin's playing. No, but the aggression of the play calling and the performance, like when you when you've got uh, what did they have? Did they have forty before halftime, and then they come back and they run it all the way up to seventy two? That was working some things out. Like that's that's going to lead to some statistical anomalies, or at least I'm going to be throwing up some. some some warning signs to dive deep for context. I want to point out something that it just came to as a surprise to me. Against Louisiana Monroe, they averaged 10.66 yards per play. But against Iowa, they averaged 7.74. The problem was they just weren't on the field. Yeah, Iowa State's a really good offense. I, I don't necessarily... Uh, I, I thought of them as more of the grinded out when it was just give it to David Montgomery 30 times a game, but he's not there anymore, so they can't do that. Well... Uh, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have this. I'm not gonna have you try to like kick dirt on my 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 attempt to be confident here. <laughs> this is this is not. This is not gonna. I'm not gonna stand for this. So uh, I'm gonna get back to my mojo here and start telling you why I'm picking Iowa State minus ten and a half. Iowa State is still a ten and two quality team. They've got a couple losses where they were. They should have won. Yeah, Iowa and Baylor, where they outgained them both. They they are playing a West Virginia team that's 107th in the country in yards per play. Their their defense is of the highest quality, uh, and I think that Iowa State, because this is a conference opportunity following a confidence-building game uh, to go make a statement. I think that they go on the road after West Virginia kind of kind of emptied their ammo against Texas, and I think Iowa State wins by two touchdowns or more. Stop bullying Barton, Chip. Stop bullying me, Chip. <laughs> uh, um, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to jump on the other side of it. I'm not gonna. Oh, I'm not gonna, <laughs> no, gonna do be, it. Do it. Do it. No, do no, it. no, no, no. I'm not gonna be taking the Mountaineers. No way. <laughs> ben, ben Kerchival told you that team was well coached, and then he stopped short. After West Virginia. That. Yeah. 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 It, yep. Hey, Neil Brown's Neil Brown's a good coach. Yeah, they, so, is Matt, so, so is Matty Ice Campbell. That's right. Um. Yeah. No, thank you. I will, however, take us to I'm going to take us to Philadelphia where I have my first of all the lock is going to be on uh, Temple plus five and a half Brady White ain't ready for this Brady White against Anthony Russo are you kidding me what a what a mismatch of quarterbacks here no I am going hoot hoot and for the purposes of our uh, our, our money line sprinkle competition, I think you maybe take uh, Temple on the money line at home. Memphis is going to catch some value. They, I like, I, I like Barton's analysis that Memphis knows what it is. You know, they know what they are. They do, they do what they need to do. Memphis unders have have been uh, a place to find some value, but in that same idea of starting to look at teams that are off to strong starts and maybe even cracking up into the rankings and and getting a little bit of buzz 
do not trust that team uh, to go on the road to play a Temple team that I think is all right. And uh, and so I, I think the Owls can definitely get it on the money line. And then for my lock, I'm going to take them with the points. It Temple plus 200 at William Hill right now. Double it up. I think that's. I, I think this is the right pick. I, I, I'm. I'm. I wish I had thought of it, but I'm not. I'm not going to play it because I. Uh, it's not an original thought by me, but I think this is a good pick. Could, could I sway you by saying lock agreement, Chip? Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, I mean, I'm on it for a lot of the same reasons. I. I just think that, you know. <laughs> I don't really enjoy – I don't think Memphis's offense is very good, and I think going on the road here, just not a great spot for them. I don't, I, I, I don't think it's wrong that they're favored. I just don't think that they should be favored by as much as they are. I think that this Temple team is good. I think specifically defensively at home, Temple has shown that it's, it's very good. And I just don't trust Memphis, which offense has struggled so far this season, to – Go on the road and cover this spread. Although traditionally Memphis has done well in this spot, it's it's eight and three against the spread as a road favorite since 2016, and it's 16, 10 and one against the spread in AAC games since 2016. But those Memphis teams were much better offensively and much more dangerous offensively. I I don't think this Memphis team, particularly in the passing game, is very good. And I I like Temple. I'm not. It's not my money line sprinkle, but. I definitely like the owls and the points. So why do you think there's anti-public line movement here? That worries me a little bit. We got, I, as I see it, like 60% are on Temple, but the lines move from three to five and a half. Well, yeah. it was at six. Like it's opened at three and it moved. And then there was some steam that came in that pushed it. But since then... The most of the public mo- money has come in since it was at five and a half, and it's kind of fluctuated between four and a half and five and a half, going as high as six. Like yesterday, it was at six. Okay, so you think it's you think it maybe hit six and then got some more money and came back down. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just trying. You know what? Like I just because here's the thing like 57 as i'm looking at it right now 57 percent of the bets are on temple 72 percent of the money is on temple yeah <sighs> okay um do you guys have room in this party for one more yes two in a show have we like doubled up our season total of lock unities? <laughs> We've had three all season and two this week. <laughs> yes. This just seems, yeah, this just seems, I mean, it's just, this is just the right, I mean, I just seems like the right play. And I, and it's, it's going to be 11 a.m. or two, noon, noon Eastern kick in Philly. Uh, I could just—I mean, I'm just—I have it. I have it, the vision in my head of how this is going to play out, and it's—it's—it's an—it's an ugly uh, trudgery of a game for Memphis that they got to sneak through. So I'm, yeah, I just think this is the right play. I mean, you just see it—the the lightly faded Eagles logo in the background of the end zone. 
<laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that that electric home field atmosphere that you get at yeah. the link. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, let's go. Tom. Uh, for my next lock, we're going to go to South Bend. And we are going to take Notre Dame and LSU under 60. Notre Dame and USC. I'm sorry. Notre Dame, <laughs> Notre Dame and USC. I'm looking at my sheet. Hint, hint. Spoiler alert. Notre Dame <laughs> and USC under 60. Uh, it's, I just, it's going to be a windy day in South Bend, kids. And I look at this defensively. I think USC's defense is good. I think Notre Dame's defense is good. I know Keaton Slovis is back, and that's going to impact the USC offense and make it better and make it more dangerous. But I think that Notre Dame front seven is very good, and I think it's going to be able to put Slovis in some uncomfortable positions, going to force him to get the ball out quick, and I think Notre Dame tackles well enough. So even if he's getting those short completions, USC is going to have trouble making them long completions, and they're not going to be able to get those deep balls that Michael Pittman wants to run up the score. And I don't think either team's going to run up the score. I don't I don't like the spread with that hook on it, though, so I'm taking the under 60. Okay. <laughs> Turn to page forty-five. <laughs> well, well, I, I am not. I, I mean, I have no play on the total here, but I, I am, I am faced with another fork in the road here on page forty-five. Uh, on this, this USC plus ten and a half is is where I'm, where I'm kind of pondering here. Yeah, my, my hesitation. I mean, I just I think this USC team. First of all, Keaton Slovis is coming back. They're they're I think they're a lot better with Keaton Slovis than they are with Matt Fink. Talanoa Hufanga coming back. I think they're a lot better on defense with Hufanga there. I think that this offense, just this team. I mean, it's still a, it's still a pretty decent team, and now they had a, a week to sort of get recover from that grind of an early season. I think this team. I, I, like I think this is a spot where USC could potentially win. Um, yeah, I'll play it. I'll play it. Turn to page twenty-three. Turn to page thirty-seven, where uh, you will face Notre Dame and uh, win a lot of money. So give me USC plus ten and a half. I like it. I mean, those two things work together. US, yeah. yeah, USC's my pick. I mean, it's just I don't I don't see Notre Dame as the kind of team that is just going to go out there and like blow the doors off USC. Just doesn't. I mean, when we're talking about embrace the suck, right? Yes, embrace the suck as as and so eloquently put by Michael Pittman. Um, embrace the suck in South Bend and go. Uh, what, what in the words of Michael Pittman, enjoy running up the score. <laughs> Enjoy running up uh, that 27-21 score. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to be uh, going back to trying to find undefeated teams that I want to jump on the other side on. And so I'm going to be going to jump on Scott Frost, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and a slightly hobbled, but I think probably active Adrian Martinez. Obviously, if you're listening to this, hopefully you've got a little bit more of an update. But 
as of Thursday morning, signs seem to be pointing to Martinez playing. Uh, I'm going to take Nebraska plus eight on the road against those fraudulent Golden Gophers. <laughs> those fraudulent Wait, so ass Gophers. Are <laughs> yeah. you seeing? Are you you are seeing that 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 Adrian Martinez is is expected to play? Husker, I thought it was looking like the Noah Verdral is playing. Uh, earlier in the week. Husker practice report from the Omaha World Herald, October 9th. Adrian Martinez, J.D. Spielman, both in pads, but they are in wait-and-see mode. Hmm. I just, I just hope you're not... I hope this bet isn't a bet on Adrian Martinez playing. I hope you're comfortable with this bet even without Adrian Martinez. It is a bet against Minnesota first and foremost. I think okay. that... I think that there are... Uh, there are probably 10, oh, I guess there are nine Big Ten teams that in this position I would jump on blindly in an anti Minnesota play. Well, Rutgers, Illinois, and maybe Maryland. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't jump on Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'll say. Like those outside of like those bottom three or four teams in the conference, and Nebraska might be close to that, but I am, I do, I do think that we might have, uh, a little bit of an advantage, especially at more than a touchdown with a Minnesota team that I do not think is as good as its record. Well, choose your own adventure. Number five, uh, sit and watch Chip play this game. I have I have Minnesota on my big sheets minus eight. I, I just I I don't I don't think they're as bad as you guys think they are. Maybe I'm. I don't uh, think they're bad. I just don't think they're nearly as good as five and zero suggests. I think they're like three and two, good. Yeah, but but Nebraska, Nebraska is every bit of what their record suggests. Yes. You know, like that's that's undeniable here. Adrian Martinez or not, Nebraska is very much an average team, and and I and and I look. I watched. I I tried. I watched at least the first half of that game last week against Illinois just because I, th- those were two teams I wanted to make sure I had a feel for considering I was I was pondering picking both of Minnesota and picking against Illinois and I thought I thought Minnesota looked okay I thought you know it was a, it was a nasty day it was foggy and rainy and like there were some drop passes from what's been a really good receiving core the first few games of the year but I thought they looked okay in 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 a spot that it's probably not super motivating. This is a this is a, you know you got big old bad Nebraska coming to town night game. I think that Minnesota will be ready to play. So I I, I lean Minnesota here, laying the points. But I uh, I'm 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 not gonna I'm, I've, I've, I've I've messed around with Nebraska enough. I'm gonna stay away from them. The dangerous spot you're in is you're judging Minnesota through the Illinois glasses. Sure, <laughs> going but into that not- game. Minnesota averaged 3.1 yards per carry against South Dakota State. It averaged 2.8 yards per carry against Fresno. It averaged 1.9 yards per carry against Georgia Southern. It averaged 2.7 yards per carry against Purdue. Then all of a sudden against Illinois, it averaged 6.4 yards per carry. This the, the offense cannot run the ball. I mean, it can against Illinois, but it hasn't been able to run the ball against anybody else. Now, granted, Nebraska is another run defense that it might be able to run the ball against. It's just I don't think that – I think that the team Nebraska has been isn't all that dissimilar from the team Minnesota has been. It's just Minnesota has ended up on top of its games. Like it beat South Dakota State by seven. It beat Fresno by three. It beat Georgia Southern by three in overtime. And it beat Purdue on the road after Purdue lost Elijah Sindelar early in the game and Rondale Moore 
it only beat Purdue thirty-eight to thirty-one. So, I, I, they, you can't take away any of the wins. They might be six and zero after this one because I think they can beat Nebraska, particularly at home. I'm not locking it up with Chip, but I just think this spread is too big. And I think if Adrian Martinez was playing, they're probably one and a half to two point favorites. And I, do you think that the drop off between the way Martinez has played this year to a draw is five and a half to six points? Oh, I don't. I mean, that's that's no. why, like, even even not knowing where Martinez is, uh, yeah, I in think, terms of I his think status, this is an excellent opportunity because if Martinez does play, you're getting a ton of value on Nebraska with this number, right? All right. Well, that that's that, that's that makes me feel a little better about the adventure I'm choosing of not engaging. <laughs> um, now Minnesota wins by 35. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> No, Nebraska just totally no shows, and uh, Minnesota averages seven point three yards per carry, just gashing them up the middle. Right, <laughs> so we got Nebraska. Uh, let's go. All right, Barton. All right. Um, okay. What do you guys? What do you guys think about this LSU Florida game? You know what? I'm not going to go there yet. I'm, I'm, I've got. I'm still going to. I'm still going to ponder that one. I'm going to go another SEC game. I'm going to go. I'm going to go South Carolina, Georgia. South Carolina. I'm. I'm. A, I don't know why I'm choosing. I'm picking a bunch of road teams here, but I, I just think twenty-four and a half is. Let me make sure that's still the number. Is that the number? Yeah, twenty. Well, I think it looks it's down to twenty-four most places. Whatever. It's twenty-four. That's a bit. That's a pretty big number for a team that in South Carolina that's that's coming off a bye week. Um, that is, you know, played one of their better games. Well, just I mean, their best game against Kentucky. They uh, Ryan Holinsky's had some time to get healthy again. The you know Georgia's strength. In running the football is, I think, you know that's 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 something I think South Carolina can hold up against a little bit. Um, I think that defensive line has got some players for South Carolina. Um, I think that this is, you know, Florida. Uh, I, I think that this is a team in South Carolina that is capable of coming in off a bye week. And putting together a strong performance against a Georgia team that you know what, like, kind of slept off to the first half of that Tennessee game. Yeah, they ended up covering uh, and and still looking the part. But there's been a, I mean, it's just like it hadn't Georgia hadn't looked quite like the Alabamas and LSU's and Ohio States of this this season. They might still change my mind on that, but I, I just don't know if that's if that's who their team is. I'm not sure if that's how they're going to beat teams, and I, I I just think 24 points is is a tick too many for a South Carolina team that's had some had some time to lick their wounds. Don't hate it, not locking it up. Yeah, I think I I agree with you in that Georgia's style of play does not lend well to covering spreads of this size. And also, from looking at the money action and compared to the bets, it seems to be a sharp play to be on South Carolina right now because there's there's a, about 15% more money than there is bets on the Gamecocks in this one. 
which might explain why that hook disappeared. Yeah, I'll take that. I like being on the sharp side. Um. Well, I I, I really don't want to give you any more time to uh to mull it over. <laughs> Where? I, yeah. Li- yeah. Listen. Uh, gold tigers. We're gonna lay it, man. Absolutely. Are we still under 14? 13 and a half? It's at 13. Ooh. Okay. Uh, yeah, for sure. I just, uh, I think that the number one, this Florida defense is not going to be able to be as aggressive as it has been against an offense that runs at a, a very, very fast pace and stays spread wide out and I just I, I I know for sure that Florida is not going to be F- Florida is not going to be winning games against this LSU defense by uh, trying to score like forty points. I just I don't see that being the case with the Gators, and so yeah, I, I feel comfortable. I'm gonna lay it, and you know, uh, uh, Tom, I know we got some some trends right about uh, teams playing in consecutive uh, ranked top 10 games mm-hmm. how about this one this is the 25th time that florida has played top 10 opponents in back-to-back games and the only time that they've won both of those game consecutive games against top 10 opponents was in 2006 and 2008 with the two games being the sec championship and the bcs national championship game so if florida wins they win the national title that's the way the game works whoa so yeah, I'm I'm going LSU. I feel comfortable laying it. Lock agreement, Chip. Go Tigers! Oh, we got the gold Tiger. The kids oh, going to Oh yeah, get the claps going, children. Oh yeah. Oh no, that that one trend you mentioned came from the Bear Chris Felica from ESPN. It was dating back to 2010. The last 12 ranked teams to pull a home upset and face another ranked team as an underdog the following week are one eleven straight up and four and eight against the spread. The only eight was the only win was Ole Miss over Texas A&M in 2014. But I'm on that. I'm, I'm taking LSU simply because I think they're far better than Florida. And I look at Florida and I see its offense as being quite one dimensional. They can't run the ball. That offensive line is not very good. We saw that last week against Auburn. I think LSU's defense kind of started off slow as it was still adjusting to playing with a lightning paced offense, which is something that it had never been asked to do before. It was being out on the field a lot quicker, playing a very different style. And also, I think when your offense is scoring that many points, if your defense, I think mentally there's a tendency to relax a little bit because you realize it's not as, you know, live or die like it used to be back in back in the late Les Miles era and the early Ed Orgeron day where it's like, oh, man, if we don't stop them every time, we're probably going to lose. So I think they're going to have success there. And then just if you look at the trend, other trends, LSU 12 and three against the spread in its last 15 SEC games. That's very good. And I think that going in here, Florida just does not have the horses to keep up. I think its defense is good, and it's not going to let LSU put up 50 points on them like LSU's been able to put up on other teams or like it was kind of able to do against Texas a few weeks ago. But I do think LSU is getting into the high 30s here, and I just don't think the Gators can keep up. I'm laying the 13. Let's uh, let's tee it up again. (laughs) Bam! Oh man. Man, what a week. What a week. I I'm I mean, here's what I kept on coming back to. 
Because I, I wrestled with this game a little bit during the week here, and I found myself every time I was on Florida, every time I landed on Florida, the only reason I was landing on Florida was because basically I, I, keep, I, I doubt them and they've proven me wrong. They're just going to figure out a way. Like it was this sort of Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham will just figure out a way. And I, I think that I don't think that that's the way to look at this game. I think when, particularly when you're talking about the the way F- Florida really uh, fired all their all their guns last week against Auburn at home and and came out with that that straight up win. I, I think you know do they have how much they have left in the tank this week? Is Kyle how banged up is Kyle Trask? Is that offense going to be is, is you know is Dave Aranda going to figure out a way to I, like I think, I think Dave Aranda got a good look at the game plan Florida has to execute to win this kind of game, and so I think Dave Aranda is going to have a good game plan to to combat that. And I think ultimately, when you're playing Florida, you have to be able to score. You, you can't just you can't just shut down that LSU offense. And so I, I think that LSU wins by two touchdowns. I just I, I keep coming back to it, and I just it's. It's, you know, I find myself just trying to talk myself into what the scenario looks like for Florida when in reality I just believe LSU is more than, you know, it's two scores better. LSU is a national championship contender. Florida's not. Separation's going to be pretty clear uh, in Tiger Stadium. I mean, uh, yeah, for sure. I, I am, I'm, gl- I'm glad to see that uh, we, got, we got triple Latifa. It's a triple Latifa episode. That's incredible. That's a, that is a unheard of. <laughs> uh tom Ooh. uh for my next one i'm going to go with something that i'm kind of starting to feel comfortable with getting a getting a good groove and and i like the feeling i'm taking the under 58 and a half in texas tech at baylor i just i'm kind of liking the unders with baylor right now i think that their style of play works well with them and I think that this is another situation where we're not going to see a super high scoring game kind of like what we saw with Kansas State last week between Baylor and the Wildcats what we saw between Baylor and Iowa State two weeks ago plus under Matt Rule the under is 13 and 7 in Baylor games against Big 12 teams I like that trend that's nearly two thirds of the time kids so I, I like it under 58 and a half Texas Tech Baylor lock it up I think I think under Baylor plays is is smart and I think um, you know that's that one, one thing about that defense that's very obvious is like they're not going to give up big plays mm-hmm. so Texas Tech's going to have to figure out a way to drive the football consistently um, so I, I, I think that's I think, I think that's a good principle <sighs> okay well what do we got to so the Yukon something here? The Yukon Huskies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Are what? 34 point underdogs. You can get it at 34 and a half. But they are 34 point underdogs against Tulane. <sighs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Chip. Are you <laughs> Do you think about playing the Huskies? 
consecutive weeks after what after what they did to you last week but the thing is UConn you know UConn's not the worst team in all of college football no 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 no. the worst team is Bowling Green so I'm gonna lay it with Toledo baby let's go (laughs) 26 (laughs) points on the road at the Falcons anti-Bowling Green play keeps going I, I support that more than I support UConn. <laughs> I'm not locking up UConn. No, no, no. That was a that was a red herring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's like uh, that's like bringing home to your dad, like the you know a tattooed motorcycle driving, uh, you know, meathead, and and just sort of just. Uh, just, just so he hates that guy enough to where when you just bring home kind of the the guy that goes to to Merritt Hall every weekend, like it's not so bad. Like I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I approve of this of Toledo. Yeah, like if you hang out with dirty legs enough on the weekends, like you're gonna get burned, and you're hanging out with dirty legs every weekend. <laughs> so, I mean, but hey, man, you know what? This is gonna be a fun ride. Wish you well. Bowling Green is dealing with, I believe, uh, like the the yard per game differential. I think the yard per game differential right now, Bowling Green is at minus three hundred. Yeah. Seems counterproductive. Sounds right. Like one twenty team number one twenty nine in uh all right, yards margin per game, team number 120 is Georgia Tech at minus 156. 130 is Bowling Green at minus 319. <laughs> so twice as much. <laughs> they are twice as bad as Georgia Tech. <laughs> That's what I'm lining up against. So let's go Jason Candle and the Rockets. Wow. Uh, I mean, who else, who's, who, who, who's got stuff left? I do. Okay, Tom. Uh, I'm going to go with a wonder here. We're taking Maryland at Purdue under 53 and a half. Uh, like I mentioned, it's a wonder. It, the temperatures in this game are going to be in the mid to high 40s with 13 to 16 mile an hour winds throughout. But more than anything, I mean, the wonder helps. But it's just this is a situation where how is Purdue going to score points? It doesn't have its starting quarterback. It doesn't have Rondale Moore. It's missing roughly 352 other guys as well. And I just don't see the Boilermakers being able to put up enough points to really put this total in jeopardy. And I'm scared to take Maryland simply because, well, I think there's a part of me that wonders if they're better off without Josh Jackson at QB. I still don't know if I want to trust the backup QB going on the road as a favorite. So I... I like the under here more than I like anything. I think the wind is going to help. Under 53 and a half. Lock, Lock agreement. Wow. Wow. Tyrone yeah. Pigram, man. He's just, I mean, we're just, we're just going to get out there and run the ball a little bit, you know, keep that clock moving, try and win this game. Purdue ain't going to score many points. And you throw in that wind. I mean, this, this is a big 10 Saturday for your boy. I got. One, two, three, four Big Ten games. Gosh. Big chip. 
so much agreement this week. Barton? Um, okay, I'm going to... This is this is my last uh, choose your own adventure crossroads, and so I'm I'm allowing myself to get talked out of this, uh, if if need be. But why? Like, tell me why I shouldn't play Florida State plus twenty seven. <laughs> um, I'm not going to tell you why. You well, got to believe I, in yourself. I mean, I I don't I look I I I. I I don't think Florida State's going to upset Clemson, but 27 points for a bunch of guys that were ranked higher than the Clemson guys. I mean, coming out of high school, I mean not not all of them, but I mean there's there's guys on this Florida State team. I mean, Cam Akers is I mean the the offensive line is has got an injection of some attitude with Dante Lucas, a true freshman. They're you know they're they've had some time to settle in. the 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 secondary is young but really talented, and I don't know, man. This just seems like too many points. So, I, I mean, I know like Dabo's on all these crusades right now. With, he's talking Roy Bus. Now he's mad at reporters for uh, reporting on Trevor Lawrence's like bruised shoulder. And I don't know. Maybe that's a bad sign. Maybe he's really circling the wagons for Clemson and but I just think that's too many points for a Florida State team that has surely got mo- enough pride to keep this thing competitive uh I'm I'm gonna play Florida State plus the 27 I will say Devo's response to the Trevor Lawrence thing kind of makes me think that they're is something wrong with Trevor Lawrence's show? You know what I mean? It's no, like why, protest too much. Yeah, why is he so like, like why is that nerve so raw that you'd be like, or maybe it's maybe again he said there's the one media guy that's texted me the other. Maybe he's just really mad that he keeps getting texted about it from somebody, and it's just it's like, dude, leave me alone. You know, I've got you muted just so you know I've turned off the alerts. <laughs> but it's just it's like. I don't know. When I saw that reaction, I was like, whoa, whoa, calm. you could have just said, no, he's fine, bro. I mean, damn. <laughs> yeah. I thought I, when I read the headline, I read the story that transcribed Dabo's quotes, and I expected it to be like a one line, like, I don't appreciate y'all digging on our players' health, and we, we, we keep that in-house. No, it was like a four-paragraph, like, multi-tiered response that was part – defending the privacy of his players part like personal affronts from a media member like part like it was just sort of this whoa man everything okay Dabo like <laughs> you, you, like what's what things seem to be getting to Dabo a little more than than uh than we're used to seeing so I I don't know what to make of that other than just I, I think Florida State's flying under the radar here I, I like when he got to the point where he's like, here's what I am confirming. Trevor Lawrence is a great football player and a great leader, and there ain't nothing wrong with him. And it's like, <laughs> nobody's questioning him. And it's like he's talking about he's a human. <laughs> it's like, dude, nobody said, asked, is he an alien from another planet who is like, damaged? Uh, that poor reporter just like, hey, it, the text was just like, hey, coach, uh, is uh, can you confirm that Trevor's got a bruised shoulder? It's like, whoa. Here's a theory. What if the reporter who asked the question is the one who's been texted? <laughs> <laughs> Just his chance to let him know. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. 
Well, fight. I'm gonna I'm play the Nolan. Fight! Fight! Oh! Fight! Chip's just waiting. Sorry, Chip. Wow. Clemson. Wow. Okay. Those, I mean, hey, thanks for speaking up when I asked <laughs> if there's any reason why I shouldn't play this. Really baited me into that fight, but all right, let's do it then. Um, yeah, nah, they uh, they were a little bit, little bit emotionally, sort of mentally exhausted from the end of fall camp all the way through the end of that North Carolina game. I think the batteries are recharged, and the Death Star might be fully operational on Saturday. Oh, it took us to week seven to get our first Chip Barton lock fight. I mean, of course, it's coming down to Clemson, right? In a four-touchdown spread. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know what to make of the... Mm, yeah, I did, there is something to be said for the source of where the original reporting came from, which I believe was Tiger Illustrated. Is that correct? I believe it was very... I mean, it, 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 I believe it was a Clemson-focused media outlet that is probably at every single availability and probably does have Dabo Sweeney's cell phone number and probably is very present around the community. Like you don't have it? Do you want it? I'll give it out right here on the pod. Um, 919-633. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I just... So, so to, to your point, if I'm, if I'm correct, and I, I apologize if I'm wrong, but I... I believe that with the reporting coming from an outlet that has a, a very strong presence locally, that's always around, uh, I could see why he might be, uh, th- there might be who knows however many frustrations that were taken out in that screed. Yeah, um, no, no doubt. There was a lot of, uh, there, was a, there was clearly a lot going on beneath the surface there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've had it up to here. And of course, here isn't that high because Dabo's short. But, you know, I've had it up to here. Um, all right. I'm 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 tapped out. So, all right. Do you guys, we got, uh, are you tapped out, Tom? I have, I had, I had another one. It's a money line sprinkle as well. So I think I'm just going to leave it as a sprinkle, seeing as how I added Michigan to the plate. So I'm already at nine and I'm not sure. I, oh, screw it. I got one more lock. Okay. okay. Is it also <laughs> your sprinkle? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take Fresno State plus three at Air Force as well as Fresno State plus 145 on the money line. So before we get into our money line sprinkles, do you guys you guys want to get the de- the dentist? Oh, oh, of course. Of course so we the, do. The dent there's a there's a double dentite play today. <laughs> okay. Uh, the the dentist. Um, and, and look, the dentist has really kind of pigeonholed himself into these old Miss games, um, but I don't think that that's by by purpose. He just seems to feel pretty locked in right now on Ole Miss, and he's got to play here. He's going Missouri minus 12 and over 56. Mm. So he, so after, after winning the Ole Miss play last week, Riding them, he's fading them this week. Going Missouri minus twelve over fifty six. A little worried about that over, but you know, yeah, it's gonna be windy. Yeah, well, uh, dentist, dentist doesn't care. 
Dentist sees uh, the Ole Miss defense, and he sees what Rich Rod's got cooking, and he's liking the overs. That's right. Yep. I I get it. I understand it. Um, Daggum. So are you tapped out, Barton? I am tapped out. Yep. All right. Wow. So to review... It's a it's a girthy girthy card here for the syndicate as we look to uh to battle back um from from being we are 81 76 and 4 on the season as a whole. Tom's card goes the under 43 and a half in Miami, Virginia, Michigan State plus 11 against Wisconsin, Michigan minus 22 against Illinois, Oklahoma minus 11 against Texas, Temple plus five and a half at home against Memphis. The under 60 in Notre Dame, USC. The under 53 and a half in Maryland, Purdue. LSU minus 13. The under 58 and a half in Baylor, Texas Tech. And Fresno State plus three against Air Force. Barton's card. Louisville plus three on the road in the big bank. BB&T field. Uh, Michigan State plus 11. That's a lock agreement with Tom. Michigan minus 22 is lock unity number one. Iowa State minus 10 on the road at Morgantown. Uh, Temple plus five and a half. That's lock unity number two. And then USC plus 10 and a half against Notre Dame. South Carolina plus 24 against Georgia. LSU minus 13 against Florida's lock agreement number three. And Florida State plus 27 in Death Valley. That is the lock fight uh, with me. Under 58 and a half, my card. Under 58 and a half, Oregon, Colorado. Iowa plus three against Penn State. Michigan minus 22. Nebraska plus eight against Minnesota. Temple plus five and a half against Memphis. Toledo minus 26. Faith Bowling Green. Uh, under 53 and a half in Maryland, Purdue. LSU minus 13. And then Clemson minus 27. The Dentist, Missouri minus 12. And the over 56 in Missouri, Ole Miss. Strong show. That is 28 locks, although with a lot of lock unity and agreement. So, but still between the three of us, it's 28. Then plus the dentist, that's 30 picks. We're yeah, going to, uh, yeah, we're going to share this, uh, little, we're, we'll share our card. You can follow it at cover three podcast. It's a colorful first. <laughs> this will be the first time we're actually letting people in on uh, a peek at the dock and, and we're giving them plenty of, uh, plenty of info to digest i'm excited for it uh any any final words before we get out of here are we uh are we doing the money line sprinkles like or, or did you guys already hand those out or what how are we handling the money line sprinkles here do you have one do you have one well are we doing this like i thought we were i thought the whole idea was we were going to do money line sprinkle competition yeah. yeah no i'm fine with that yeah we just Let's do it we, we did it do you we have one Who, well, Barton hasn't given one out yet Who's yours, Chip? Chip's Temple plus two hundred. Uh, I'm Fresno plus one forty-five. Okay. Uh, then I'll go. Uh, I'll go Louisville plus two hundred. There we go. Yep. There you go. Money line sprinkles off and rolling. All right, you can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! 
The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.